Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you guys are here. Uh, real quick, before I kind of start us off, uh, just to let you guys know, we've been going through the Love One Another series. Uh, KT um, had a great message last week, um, talking specifically about the body, and, and um, a great message, really challenging for me. And, uh, and hopefully another challenging uh, message today as well as we go through love one another. Uh, Before we start, I just want to pray, and uh, I'll get started. Lord, thank you for um, uh, your love, and Lord, I just pray that uh, you will just, uh, Lord, just speak through me, and the words that are are said will just be yours and only yours alone, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you can just use my uh, imperfections and my faults um, to somehow bring you glory, and somehow, Lord, that, that uh, this morning we can focus solely on you, and that, Lord, through this we can have a great time of, of possible encouragement, but also a time of um, of challenge, and, uh, and Lord, just of good time, so that we can go from here uh, and be able to uh, love one another better, but most importantly, Lord, that we will uh, first of all love you. So we just pray all these things to your name. Amen. Well, once again, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Frank today. I'm going to cover um, about half of everything, um, but if he lets me, I'm just going to keep going. And, uh, and then he's going to come up and clean up my mess is what I usually say. And, uh, but like I said, we are going through the Love One Another series, and, and Dr. Frank always makes it adamant about ha- starting off with a story. Uh, once again, I'm not going to share a story that's kind of out out there like Dr. Frank does usually, and then he uh, has nothing to do with it. But this actually has a little bit to do with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, when when I was younger, um, a lot of these stories are when I was younger. But uh, when I was younger, I remember I, I have an older sister, and one of her best friends was my cousin Joy, right? So uh, my sister and my cousin... Uh, they would always come over and, and uh, uh, what, what's where you, you know, you, you play house, right? You guys are, who's ever played house before? Please. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So you played house and in house, you know, you do all the, uh, the you know, you have, usually you have kids and you have, uh, you go shopping and you, I don't know, you cook. I, I don't know. You know, I, I actually forget all about it, but I remember that my, my sister and my cousin, they would always play house. And uh, since I was the younger one, I was usually left out, right? So they were playing house, and I'd be like, I want to play, I want to play house, you know, I want to play house. And, and of course, they would be like, no, you know. So then, like a good brother does, he goes to his mother, and um, he says, Mom, they won't let me play house. So she walks downstairs and tells them, you let your brother uh, play house right now. They're like, fine. So once Mom left... Uh, maybe you guys can guess what happened, but uh, I'm thinking, yeah, I want to play house. I want to be the dad, you know, or the brother and stuff like that. Well, they let me play house. The problem was that um, they made me be the the, the dog. Um, and if you've ever played it, the dog in the house, it's very demeaning. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it was an upgrade. A few years later, they upgraded to me to the, the next door neighbor that would watch their kids when they went shopping. Yeah. So that was actually an upgrade. Um, but I played this house, and, and, and the thing was, is in kind of what we're going through this morning, um, and you can see it in your bulletins as well, is this love one another. 
And the topics we're going through, that I'm going to be going through specifically is, is accepting one another. Um, that's probably the big one. Um, don't judge and building each other up. And uh, I was told that I need to start off with don't judge specifically and hit on that really hard. That way, at the end, you guys can't judge me for how bad of a job I did or something. And, and uh, so this whole judging part... Uh, is actually what we're going to start off with. But before we do, I just want to reiterate uh, what we kind of went through, um, or kind of the up, the the background behind this passage, because we start off in fourteen thirteen of Romans, and uh, at the beginning of Romans, uh, and, and a lot of you know this, uh, and this is a very well known passage. But in Romans fourteen, starting in verse one, uh, it talks about this. It says, "As for the one who is weak in faith." Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And this is really kind of stemmed from what hap- was happening in First Corinthians as well. Um, if you guys remember, uh, they were having this whole dispute about idol meat and idols, right? And the problem was, uh, they said, well, this, these idols or this type of meat that's in this place, right, you can't eat it. That was the stipulation, right? Uh, Paul just kind of unleashes and said, no, 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 that's not the case. That's not a sin. Uh, and, and it goes through, and especially in verse 1, it says, uh, but do not quarrel over opinions. A lot of other translations say, uh, <clears throat> don't fight about um, uh, gray areas or, or disputable items. And that's what we're talking about with the judging part. It's not just the whole judging part, it's, it's talking specifically, and what, what we're talking about here is, and obviously love one another, is specifically the church. Who we call is the body. Who we call is a brother or sister in Christ. That is what we're talking about. So when it goes to judging, uh, yeah, the, the, the Bible is true, and the Bible is accurate, and the Bible is right, but there are some gray areas, right? And we're going to get through those. Uh, so don't judge. That's our first one. Uh, if this thing works, is this is it on the thing? There we go. Don't judge. And uh, and, and the first one I have is extra biblical standards. And and like we said, we just went through fourteen one, uh, and also thirteen. Uh, which let me just read that real quick as well. Thirteen. Uh, says this, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. These extra biblical standards that we set, um, we kind of tend to draw the line uh, where it should not be drawn. Uh, we, we take these uh, minor things and we make them major things. Uh, there are some things that, that matters of principles and some matters of preferences, right? Uh, we have that even in our dynamic in, in this church. Um, specifically in the Bible, it's talking about the food where it said it was wrong to eat this kind of food. And some people said I didn't, I, I choose, they chose not to. And the other people did choose uh, to eat those food. Uh, but that's not, what it's, that's not the only thing. We, we talk about music. Uh, I have some family members that thinks that drums are have no place being in the church, right? And it is bad, bad, bad. 
Uh, music is is obviously one that we all, even even in this church, could probably even argue about. Raising children, how about that one? How many times have you said um, either to your spouse or to your friend, like, I can't believe they're doing that. Oh, man. I cannot believe that they are, I don't know, I don't want to get into any touchy subjects where people are going to start yelling at me or something like, I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, but, but I mean, raising their children, how you discipline your children, right? I mean, me and Kelsey don't even have kids, and that's, yeah, we think about that, and we judge on those standards, and those are great areas there. I, I think there is a right and wrong in, the, in these areas, but there's a ton of gray area, you know? Another one would be uh, a financial, that just the way I spend my money maybe isn't the way you would spend your money, right? The truth is it's not our money, it's God's money, right? So then when we have that standard and it's God's money, we start throwing in these extra um, biblical standards, right? And we say this is the biblical standard. But it's, there's a lot of gray areas there. We throw those in. See, in, in 13 there, this passage is very misinterpreted, especially when it talks about stumbling uh, being a stumbling block. It's misapplied. Paul was teaching that neither the weak or the strong should judge each other. Now, this is a two-way street. A lot of times in the church today, what's the usual thing is that the strong Christian takes the full responsibility, right? And that it's his problem or her problem. It's their fault if a stumbling block is met, right? It's the strong persons, and that's not right. That's not the way Paul teaches it. It's both, the weak and the strong. And also offense or stumbling is defined by some in our church, um, in the church today. It's defined by some of this stumbling as, well, they made me feel bad, right? I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way, but but uh, I think because I, uh, for example, I, sometimes I viewed selfishness as, oh, that made me feel bad, you know? And and that's not what it's saying. That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what he's saying, and that's what's misinterpreted here. I Actually, what I really think is what it's saying is that uh, if you are doing something that the other Christian person cannot do with a clear conscience, that is what the passage is talking about. The stumbling block, we misinterpret it. We just think, oh, well, I don't... Uh, I don't want to make this person feel bad. Well, that's not the case. And it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Remember that. Another one, external appearance. James 2, 1 through 4. And I'm putting these passages up here not because we're going to hit every one of them, especially in the next point. We're not going to hit every single one of them. But I'm putting those up there for you guys so you guys know where I'm getting this from. Okay? And and external appearances. In James 2, it actually talks about uh, that... They say, when a man with very nice clothes and gold comes on, what do you do? Right up here, right to the front and center row. This is all yours right here. VIP for this guy, right? And then someone walks in with, you know, you know, holes in their clothes. And they walk in with, I don't know, jean shorts. I don't know. Um, cut off jean shorts too, right? And, and we say to them, uh, why don't you just, uh, just stand in the back, you know, or sit down at my feet kind of thing, right? And uh, we have these standards, this external appearance. We, we do favoritism is a huge thing. Um, and this, this not only goes for the look part of it, but it also goes for job, right? We start, 
judging on those standards. Well, this person has a good job, so they're a better person, right? And these external appearances, even with grades, I know a lot of you are in school. That's an external appearance, right? Well, they get straight A's, so they have to be a really strong Christian, right? I mean, I'm sure I can name off people that got flunked out that were, you know, at Emmaus that were bad Christians or whatever you want to call them. But I also can name a bunch that got straight A's that, to be honest, they're not following the Lord right now. In fact, they're actually going against what the Lord teaches. And maybe arrogance got in their head. Maybe they got too smart. I don't know. But we have this external appearance, and we, we, we play favorites. We play it, uh, I, I play it a lot too. These favorites, this look, this job, the position uh, in the church even, the positions, we play favorites. Uh, there's a great quote from um, Getz, Gene Getz, which uh, has a book called Love One Another, which Dr. Frank has, and he's probably going to talk a lot about it. But this great quote says, Prejustice, uh, Judas, favoritism and discrimination in the body of Christ violate the law of God. Furthermore, they violate the very nature of the functioning body of Christ. We are all one, every member important. If we show favoritism, we also destroy the unity, harmony, and oneness in the body of Christ which Christ and Paul both played for, uh, prayed for. I'm not played for. That would be weird if they played for it. Uh, they both prayed for uh, and commanded. So this external appearance, we see it. And it not only is it wrong, but it goes totally against, and it breaks the unity and the oneness that we have in our churches. Third thing would be excessive estimation. And I know that's kind of a, a weird thing, but I think the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to say is motives, right? Our motives. And we don't know what the motives are. First Corinthians 4 talks about that, that only God knows the motives, right? We don't know what, what someone's purpose is. I can't tell you how many times it drives me nuts when I hear someone pray and, and all of a sudden they pray in a certain way that I don't like, you know, or I, I'll be honest with you, when people get airy when they pray, you know, when there's a big dude up there talking, he's like, yeah, so let's pray. And he's like, Father, Jesus, thank you. Like, I just, I, th- I question the motive, you know. And maybe I'm wrong for doing that because I'm not focusing on what is actually being said because God may be stirring people's hearts in that moment. But I'm focusing on my own selfish ideas and arrogance in that moment. Excessive estimation. We judge people based on things that they are that are impossible to assess. We can't judge a person's motives. It's only the Lord that can do that. So with this, we, we ask a question. Instead of judging, what do we do? We need to accept one another. Easier said than done, right? We need to accept one another. Uh, Romans 15, uh, 5 talks about this. Um, Uh, specifically. Let me just read it for you. It says, Romans 15, 5, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 7, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. 
Uh, and I think there's a lot of things that we can say about acceptance, and I think we're, we're going to hit on that. But I have a, a bunch of different things here that I want to just kind of list out for you that I think are needed in, in accepting. Because if we are judging, right, if we fix the judging, then I think in turn we're also accepting at the same time, right? I think they work hand in hand. So you're going to see a lot of crossover in all the three of the topics I'm going over this morning. But, but especially with connection, uh, I know we joked about this a lot, Lev, in, um, in, in class. I remember when we were in college, but we talked about, uh, what's the book by Larry Crabb? It's called what? What's it called? I think it's called Connections. or No, it's called, uh, isn't it called Connections? It's called Connections. So we would always joke about this. We'd be like, oh, connect. We need to connect and talk about how it's, it's the only thing, you know. But then you start thinking about it, it really is a, a great thing. People's most basic need in life is, is they want to connect. They want to be a part of a, a group, right? That's a big pull for churches because that means they're a part of something. And even atheists, they want to have church, technically. Have you ever heard of this? Atheists want to get together as atheists and just chat. Why do you think that is? They want to have something to connect to. They want that oneness. That, and I think they get selfish of the churches because they don't have that. And they want to have their own connective uh, thing there. Another one would be discipline and structure. Ooh, I hate that one. Discipline, right? Discipline in accepting people. And we're going to go over that even a little bit more later. But the fruit of the Spirit that helps us overcome our fears of rejection through spirit is spirit-controlled love, right? That's how we overcome that, through discipline. It's not waiting for something to happen, waiting to accept. Well, I'll accept them when I'm ready. No, no, no. It's a discipline to accept. Make it a discipline. Accountability. That helps us expose areas where we need to improve in our efforts to accept one another without being critical, judgmental, or, or, or standoffish. I think acceptance is, um, uh, is a huge one as well, just because uh, when I don't know any time I've had an accountability partner and I haven't felt accepted. I've had people come up to me in the past that have said, hey, you want to be my accountability partner? And I'll be like, no, I don't trust you. You know, <laughs> honestly, because when I get transparent with them, then I get crucified for what I, my weaknesses, right? That's a problem. And that's a problem if we're doing that too, because I've done it too. Where I want to get close to somebody and kind of, I want to get close to them and I'll oh, be your accountability partner. That way when everything hits the fan, I can throw them under the bus, right? Maybe I'm the only one who struggles with that, but I don't think I am. Accountability. If you want to accept someone, we've got to have accountability there. Have that trust uh, going on. How about support and strengthening? Philippians 2 uh, speaks very well of that. Support is needed to help you learn to be more accepting so you can enhance the acceptance others feel towards you. Acceptance means you can try out your ideas without being shot down. Uh, it means you can even express uh, thoughts and discuss them with intelligent questioning. 
I think the key here for the next few points, and especially this one, is you feel safe. <coughs> With support and strengthening, you've got to feel safe when that acceptance hits, right? How can we accept without feeling safe? And I think that goes to the next one with, with learn to overlook faults and imperfections. And this is uh, obviously a huge one, uh, especially one that, 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 like I just shared, I have a problem with. And trust me, guys, even successful people, I think we all can agree to this, even successful people struggle with imperfections and sufferings. No one is immune to hardships. Uh, and I think a good point of that is even when we talk about the armor of God, I know this is kind of random, we talk about the armor of God, right? What does it say about the shield? Anyone remember? It says, have the shield of faith. Why? To distinguish if the flaming darts come. Does it say if? No. It says when they come. It's going to happen. We're, we're not immune to anything. Those hardships are going to take place. So this learning to overlook faults and imperfections is something that we have to do to accept one another. And if I can't look past that, then how can I accept you? I think this is key in a lot of good friendships. And I've, I've told people this a lot of times. I've said, hey, my best friends are the people I fight with the most, right? And I'm sure you guys know your family pretty well, right? I know my family well. And I'll tell you one thing. I know the flaws in my family. I know the sins that have gone on my family. And if I just throw them to the side and not accept them, even though they've made those flaws, am I showing God's love to them? Am I accepting them? No. It's easy to focus on faults, right? KT said it last week, didn't you? He said, you can find my flaws in about five seconds, is what he said. And that's true, because you can do it in mine. You could probably find them in a second, if that, with mine. We have faults. We have imperfections. And it's easy to focus on that and, and, and think about that. And sometimes, to be honest, it's fun to think about that. But that's not what it calls do. It is hard to focus on good. Focus on the good things. Another thing going along with that is healing and confession aids acceptance. Healing and confession aids acceptance. We need to be a safe place to take our confessions to. Uh, there was a moment when I was at Emmaus that uh, we got in trouble for something, and they didn't know who it was, so the RAs brought all the people, the guys into the room, and uh, they're all just like, well, if no one admits it, you're all going to get this or whatever. You know, they had this discipline, right? And, of course, like, people spoke up and were just like, it was him, you know, kind of thing, right? And this healing confession, it aids acceptance. We need a safe place. That wasn't a safe place, right? And we, I keep saying safe place, but why would I share my struggles, like I said earlier, if I'm going to be crucified later for them? I need a safe place. How about confronting and caring aids acceptance as well? Confronting and caring. Uh, ask God to help you sense when to express such compassion. Don't force it and also show genuine concern for the person. You've got to show that genuine concern. If you go into a conversation frustrated about something, chances are you're not going to show that gentleness, right? If you're riled up and you go and talk to him, right? 
I know that's what my, my mother had to do every time we got in trouble. She would have to cool off for a little bit before she came and disciplined us because she didn't want to discipline us when she was ticked off, right? So remember that. And how about this? Administer truth. Administer truth. When we really love people, we will tell them the truth from God's word if we really do love them. And those nine, I think, about nine there, I think those really do hit on what acceptance is all about. And, and while we often are challenged to accept people uh, who we do not know well, like I said earlier, we also find that it's very difficult to accept the people we know the most. Um, I know patience is that way. Sometimes I'm more patient with people I just met than my own wife. You know, and because I know, I know the, the things there. We know each other's. We know each other's flaws. We know that. So what's the point here? The more we see them, the more clearly we see the flaws. Let me read 1 Peter uh, 4.8. It says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers multitude of sins. Continue to show that. People often gravitate to where they are accepted. We said that earlier. Uh, When I was lost, I turned to God, right? Ephesians 2. And once I was accepted by Him, I remained in Him because of the riches of grace He shows us continuously through all those things. So we have this don't judge instead of judging, accept. But here's an important one, build up. And, and I need to wrap this up because, uh, but, but I, I want to emphasize how big building up is. Right? Building up. And let's read uh, 14, uh, 19, Romans 14, 19 if we could. And we'll start in verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace enjoying the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. You guys have heard about that you got to give 10 positives to one negative, right? I think that's true. I've had numerous people come up to me like, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing wrong. And then while they're walking out the door, oh yeah, by the way, uh, y- y- uh, you do this good, kind of thing, right? I mean, imagine if I did that to my wife, right? Um, the pork was dry, the green beans, not crisp enough, they weren't seasoned well, and I go off all, on all these lists, and uh, where's the dessert? And then while I'm walking out, I'll be like, oh, uh, but uh, you look pretty tonight. Right. Yeah, not going to go over well, okay? I can just tell you from experience. Um, doesn't go over well, right? Uh, and that's the thing with building each other up. We must realize um, uh, the importance of how important uh, the Word of God is. And I think the reason that with those positives is that what I'm talking about is as Christians cannot mutually encourage each other. We can't give those positives if we don't even know what, what the positives are. We don't even know what the Bible says about it. If we're not familiar with Scripture, let's encourage each other to study the Word of God. That's how we're really going to build each other up, right? Another thing is it's a whole body effort. I know KT talked about this last week. Um, not one person, but every functioning body. A lot of times people in churches, they think that, well, you're the pastor, so you're in charge of all of this, right? And if you fail, we all fail. And that's not how it is. It's every Christian. Every Christian. 
every single person. It's not one person, but every functioning body. Uh, we may be the one who, uh, and, and with that body, I think that uh, even a challenge to us is that we are one, but are we unified? And that's what KT was saying last week, that he's one body, but he had some issues with, what was it, adrenal glands? With these adrenal glands, right? And we have these problems with, uh, with, with our, our body, right? KT spoke of it. How about a sports team? They're one, right? Uh, we talked about this on Thursday night with, with uh, some guys in the church. We talked about how we can still be one, but we're not unified. There's a lot of teams out there that are one team, but they're not a unified team. There's some churches out there that are one church, technically, but they're not unified. That's a problem. That's a problem. And then the other one is take an action step to, instead of waiting. And that's the thing of, I encourage you this week um, to take that action step. Because if we just wait to, well, when I feel like talking to that person again, or if I feel like forgiving them or whatever, then I'll invite them over for dinner. Take someone, and don't be offended if some people invite you over for, din- for dinner this week, but uh, invite the person you don't like over for dinner. Force yourself. That, isn't that true acceptance, right? That's the discipline part. And that's what I'm talking about, this whole body. Challenge and take an action step. If you wait till you feel like changing, it may never come. It may never come. Uh, I, I want to just share something before I, I turn over to Dr. Frank, but uh, I am really bad at all, at all these. And actually, when Dr. Frank told me this is what we're speaking on, he's the one who said, oh, you're going to do this. And I said, are you sure? Like, I don't think that I'm the good guy to, to bring this forward. Because I struggle with this stuff. But let me just say something, and I've said it before too. Don't let, don't let my flaws and don't let my imperfections block what God is trying to tell you this morning. Because it's a problem. It's a big problem. And that's why that we aren't showing each other that love. 1 Corinthians 13, right? We use that a lot. I was talking to Kelsey on the way back from Des Moines. We went to Des Moines yesterday. When we were on, when we were on the way back, I was telling her about the, the sermon a lot more and going into detail. And she started quoting 1 Corinthians 13. And she started questioning. She says, love is patient, right? It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And how about this one? It keeps no record of wrongdoing. How many times in our church, how many times in our family do we say we love each other, but we keep the record? We hold on to it. That's not acceptance. That's not true acceptance. That's not true love. And we need to fix that. I need to fix that. So I hope that we can do that. Um, Dr. Frank is going to come up now and, and, and kind of share with us living in harmony with kind of ties into that and and I'm sorry I went a little longer, Dr. Frank, um, but he is a very flexible man, and um, he will, he's going to clean up everything, right? Thank you. Well, good morning. Uh, just to start where Jess uh, stopped, 
If you look at the passage before us in Romans 15, 5, Romans 15, 5, it says, I just have part of the first, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. You know, just to repeat what we are talking about, about the one another, the Greek word alelon means each other. It's mutual. It is I do to you, you do to me. It's not expecting me to be the one making all the efforts while you are not doing nothing. It is all of us are doing to each other. One another. I do to you, you do to me. It's, it's two-way street. And remarkable. In the New Testament, it never refers to the relationship of Jesus to his disciple or Christ to his people. And we can understand that. We can never expect to do to Christ what he is doing to us. He, what he is doing for us, it's must, much greater than we will ever be able to do to him. But the standard for each other as believer is do to the other like you want the other to do to you. It is doing to one another. Live in harmony with each other. That's Romans 5, uh, 15, 5, 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in one accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like the way the NIV uh, put uh, 14.19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual uh, edification. It's something that we have to make every effort. You know, sometimes I hear Christians saying, you see, that's who I am. That's not good enough. If God wants us to do something, it will cost us something. We have to make the effort. We have to change. Why would we want to share the gospel with other people? Tell them they need Christ. Tell them they have to change. When we ourselves as Christians, we don't want to change. We have to make every effort and live in harmony with one another. Among God's people, that's the standard. We are one. We are a family. We are the household of God. And we have to make every effort to live in harmony with one another. You know, as I was preparing for the message, praying, this part felt so strong on my heart to encourage us to live in harmony with one another. And if there are issues that we know about, things that are preventing us to live in harmony with one another, we have to solve them. You see, we can't throw sand over a seed. What will happen? It will grow. It will become a tree, and it will be difficult to get rid of. When it is a seed, we have to take it out. We have to take it away. And if there are issues among us, personal, with another brother or sister, solve it. Don't wait. I don't know what, but I had this strong conviction while preparing that this is something we have to address. If there are issues that prevent us from living in harmony with one another, let's solve it. Admonish. You know, accepting one another and don't judge one another. Sometimes people do not want to be admonished. But you see, the Bible 
is, is in balance. There is always a balance. On the one hand, don't judge. But that does not mean that if there are things going on in my life, nobody should tell me something. That's not true. That's not what the Bible is teaching us. Actually, the word for admonish is to counsel about avoidance or cessation of an improper course of conduct. I'm counseling someone, advising that person, saying this particular way of life is not right. Avoid it. Stop it. Paul did that. He said those people that, that do not want to work, they should not eat. Period. And there are other examples in the New Testament about it, and we will look at a few things. And why are we able to do that? Romans 15, verse 14, say, first of all, we will be able to admonish one another when we are full of goodness. It's not because I want to harm the other. It's not because I want to shame the other. It is because there is God's love in my heart. And it is because of the goodness of God. And secondly, it's because we are filled with knowledge. Knowing from scripture and not the extra biblical things. But it is because we know from scripture what's right. I sometimes tell people, I don't drink coffee because I'm a Christian. And of course you know that's extra biblical. That can never be the standard for judging one's spirituality. See, I feel that drinking coffee makes you be a not so spiritual Christian. That's wrong. Actually, this week I had a list from uh, a, uh, a Facebook uh, site where Christian and Muslims are uh, uh, in conversation. And this Muslim guy said, we Muslims are better followers of Jesus than you Christians. Because, he said, we greet each other with the greeting of peace. You Christians say hi. But Jesus said, peace be to you from, you know, uh, peace be upon you in, in John 20. He said, we Muslims, we don't eat pork. Jesus didn't eat pork. You Christians eat pork. I mean, and he went on and on and lists all these outward things. That's not what makes one a Christian. It's not keeping all these rules and regulations. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And if righteousness is not there, joy is not there, peace is not there, then something else is going on. It's not the kingdom of God. We are having a good time, but not the Holy Ghost time, so to speak. How can we admonish one another? Number one, with deep concern and love. Paul did that in Acts chapter 20. He said, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He was not rejoicing. He did that with tears. Second, it must be personal. He said, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone. It is personal. It's not like me standing here and I always wanted to tell Mark something and then I'll take this opportunity just to say it in public. That's not admonishing in the proper way. It's always personal. Everyone, he said. It must be persistent. He said, for three years I did not cease. Night or day. 
It's not one thing. I told her. I told her. She has to find out. It is something that's going on and on and on. And he did it, he said, for three years. I knew if I, w- if it was, I were in this place, I would have stopped after the first time. It must be done with pure motives, uh, as First Corinthians say. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to correct you as my dear children. And it must be done with a proper goal. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We do that to present everyone mature in Christ. The final uh, part of our message today is to greet one another. And I have a few verses there. It's a big thing in the New Testament. Not just in one verse, but in Romans, in Corinthians, uh, Philippians, Thessalonians, uh, Peter, John. Tell Christians to greet one another. You know, and he said, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I'm not sure we are doing that or we should be doing that. I don't know. So that aspect of how we do it, that's, that can be cultural. The important thing is the greeting part. Greet one another. Uh, I'm going to close with a few quotes from the book of Getz. Uh, and I, you know, I like, I like him. And some of the things that he said, they were very, very touching and convincing. It's always appropriate and important for Christians to greet one another in a holy form that has deep meaning, reflecting sincere Christian love. Greeting is not just high, 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 but we are expressing deep Christian love. And he said, greeting among people generally tend to be quite empty. Hello, how are you? Without any thought of wanting to know how you really are. Many people say, I'm glad you came while not caring if you'll ever come again. All of these, of course, are meaningless and empty. And if not in many instances, don't write dishonest and hypocritical. He gave a few practical steps. He said, you cannot greet others sincerely if you do not really care about them. Or if there is something between you and the other Christian brother or sister. How can I greet sincerely if I don't, if I have something against you and have not solved it? Make a serious effort to develop sincere interest in others. You'll always be running away, often blaming other people for not being interested in you. Or blaming the church that the church is not really interested in me, even though you yourself are not doing anything. And then this is our far final slides. Continue with points from Getz. If you have difficulty expressing sincere affection and love for other Christians, your problem may be rooted in one of the two sources, he said. You are a self-centered person, always thinking of yourself first, and have built the world around yourself. That's serious. You feel uncomfortable with people because you are fearful. Of course, we can go into details about this. We are not going to do that because of time. 
But let me close with this point. The Christian community can and should serve as a healing community. If there are issues, if there are problems, if within the Christian community things cannot be solved, then there is no hope for this world. If Christ is with us, if Christ paid the price for us, if God's spirit is among us, if God our Father is with us, I don't see why there can be anything among believers that cannot be settled or solved. Father, we commit ourselves to you this day. And we pray that our local church will be a place where we center around Christ, honoring Him, and being a community devoted to Him, a community of love towards you, towards one another, a community that accepts one another, encourage one another, challenge one another, love one another, greet one another, rejoice with one another, cry with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.